with your Bible. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, didn't say if you pray, Jesus said when you pray, you'll don't be like the hypocrites. Well, what are hypocrites? They say one thing and do another. Is that right? For they love to pray. We're talking about prayer today. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? When men see them and clap for them, you know, and applaud them. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, that's God in heaven, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I'd rather have God reward me than have a man clap for me. How about you? And when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen, those are the unsaved, do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. So just because you're saying a bunch of words, does that mean God's going to hear you? No. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Before you ask him. Come back to that in a minute. Talking today, title of this message, sermon, talk. What do you want to call it? A message, a sermon, or a talk? Come on, guys. What do you want to call it? A message? What's hip these days? Message? Is sermon a thing of the past? You guys aren't going to talk to me at all. You're going to sit out there and act like you're in church. Let's, let's get this thing revved up a little bit. What do you want to call it? All right, here's the title of the sermon message talk. Simple people, simple prayers. Simple people, don't you like that screen? My wife does all those, that's great. Simple people, simple prayers. How many simple people do we have in here besides me? All right, and simple, just sounds very simple. And simple people, simple what? Prayers. prayers. Now, 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 let's all get this. Simple people, simple prayers. Now, prayer is a topic that has confounded me for years. Confounded me. Now, I'm getting better at it as we go along, but when I was a kid, it confounded me. First of all, didn't Jesus just say your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him? Well, if God already knows what I need, why do I need to ask him? And the answer to that is simple. There's a verse in the Bible that says you have not because you ask not. So it's very simple. We need to ask. Why? Because the Bible tells us to ask. Yeah, but God knows everything we need before we. Yeah, but did he also say somewhere else in the Bible ask? Yes or no? Okay. so we need to ask. And then here's another thing. You want to know another thing that used to trip me up? Is. Well, God is all powerful. How many of you know he is all powerful? He can do just whatever he... Yeah, he got that. See, he knows. He can do just whatever he wants. Well, now now you got to wait just a minute there. God is all powerful. But because of the way he set things up, he won't do. I wouldn't say he can't do. I'll say he won't do. Anything in the earth. Unless we, because of the way he set things up, unless we give him the avenue to do so through prayer. Did you get that? 
Now, 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 for years, I, I, I was hindered in praying because when I'd go to pray, I'd say, well, God's all powerful. He'd do whatever he wants. He'll take care of it. No, he is all powerful. Say, 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 amen. amen. He is all powerful. But he, because of the way he set things up, he won't do anything in the earth unless we give him the avenue to do so through prayer. Okay. Now, is prayer? When you, what is? Did you know prayer? All prayer is is just talking to God. Just talking to Him, just like you talk to me or my wife, or just like you talk to your friend. Just talking to to, to Him. Did you know prayer? When you talk to somebody, there should be a two-way communication. Is that right? And I've noticed this a lot of times in prayer. A lot of times you'll have people that'll do all the talking. To God, they'll just do all the talking. They'll talk to him for an hour. And when they get done, they'll say, you know, God didn't say anything to me in prayer. Well, you didn't give him a chance. If you do all the talking, you, a lot of people don't let the Lord get a word in edgewise. Now, he gave us one mouth and two ears. That means we ought to do twice as much listening as we do talking. Is that right? At least I think so. And, and, and you know, I've learned this over the years, too. When I'm around somebody that I know is a whole lot smarter than me, I keep my mouth quiet and I let them do the talking because I'm trying to learn something. Now, how many of you agree with me? God's a whole lot smarter than you and me put together. Is that right? So when we're around him, I always try to do twice as much listening as I do talking. And then God will speak to you. Oh, how does God speak to you? Well, the main way that he speaks to me and I think to anybody is he'll bring scriptures to your remembrance. That's why it's important that you read the Bible regularly. Because he'll lead you with his word. He'll never lead you outside of his, his word, the Bible. So that's the way he'll speak to me many times is, is just the scriptures will come up. On, on the inside, he just give you a scripture, you know, something, you know, now he, now he doesn't give me chapter and verse. <laughs> he just gives me something, you know, a, a line or a phrase, something from the Bible that I've studied in the past or read. Did you hear what I just said? That's how he'll speak. And, 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 uh, and, and when God speaks to you. A lot of times it's just an inward knowing that you have, or it'll be a, a still small voice on the inside, you know, not this booming voice that comes from heaven. He could speak that way, but 99.99% of the time, that's not how he leads people. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? Are, are you, we're going to wear this out. Are you hip? Okay. So simple people. How many simple pre people do I have in here? Okay. Simple prayers. What is prayer? Just talking to God. Now, when I was much younger, I was always afraid that I would not know what to say or how to pray if somebody called on me to pray. How many of you'd be nervous if I called on you right now and asked you to stand up and pray? There'd be a lot of people be nervous. Some people be fine, but there's a lot of people be nervous with that. And I always thought many different things. I thought, well, I wasn't as good or as holy as other people, you know, and so they ought to do the praying. How many of you know the blood of Jesus made us holy? Is that right? And then I always thought there was some magical formula when you prayed. Like, for example, because you see, the only prayer, the only prayers I know are no, the only prayers I knew as a kid, there was two of them. One was over to food. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. I knew that. (laughs) 
And then I learned another one later uh, over the over the lips, over the gums. Look out, tummy. Here it comes. You know. And then I then I knew now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. How many know that one? Prayed that one every night when I went to bed. And then I got around church and I learned that I thought, well, maybe if we pray in Elizabethan English, the Lord, the Lord would hear it better. So God is greatest. God is goodest. Let us thanketh him for our foodeth. Or now I layeth me down to sleepeth. I prayeth the Lordeth my soulest to taketh. If I should dieth before I awaketh, I pray the Lord, thou almighty, my soul to taketh. See, now maybe he'll hear it a little better because I threw some Elizabethan in there. How many of you know God? That doesn't impress God at all. I think he just, the Bible says there's a verse, he sits in the heavens and laughs. I think he just kind of sits and chuckles at that. But when you call on people to pray, I they get great. They, I know because I've been there. They'll get real, you know, start in Elizabethan English or they think they have to be bowing or put their hands together. And you don't have to do any of that. You can do it, but you don't have to do any of that to pray. Now, I know I was always afraid to pray in public. And I remember when I was about 11 years old. Now, I guess I was nine, ten years old. I don't know. In the Baptist church, Vandover Baptist Church, where we went to church right over here. And my, my mom and dad and grandma, they saw to it that I went to Sunday school every Sunday morning. My dad would sit with me in the service. In, not in the service, in the Sunday school class because I didn't want to stay alone. But anyway, we went to church because uh, we went to church the one Sunday. You know, because they had Sunday school in church. So we're sitting in a big church. And uh, there was this other fellow. Now, my name is Terry Scheel, S-C-H-E-E-L. There's this other guy. He was, a, he was a deacon. He was much older than me. I was nine years old. He was probably 30. His name was Terry Shield, S-H-I-E-L-D. And I remember the one Sunday the pastor had everybody stand. I'm nine years old. I'm on the second or third row. And he said, Terry Shield, close with prayer. And all the blood just drained out of my face. And I mean, this happened, it happened real quick, happened a lot quicker than what I'm telling you. Now, all that's going through my head is, is, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray. Our God is great. God is good. I'm thinking, which one do I go with? And I could have mixed them up, but I could have done them both. Really impress the people. Use a little Elizabethan. But how many can you relate to me, you know? And then, then just as I was going to start, this guy behind me, the Terry Shield, he began to pray. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and then I remember years ago when I started attending a, a, a church that I would attend regularly as time went on. I, the pastor wanted me to come to, to the church service and to some events. And I said, well, men's events. I said, I'll come as long as you don't call on me to pray. Because it just it scared me. It just it, it freaked me out. But we've made a lot. We've made prayer a lot harder than it needs to be or should be. You know that it's just simple communication, talking to God, simple people, simple prayers. Hey, uh, have you ever heard of Elijah, the prophet? Anybody ever heard of him? Now he's a prophet. Oh, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. Elijah. And he did numerous miracles. He called down fire. The power of God came on him. He outran the king's chariot. Now, how many of you can relate to that? Anybody? I, I can't relate to that. See, when we look at him from that avenue, 
Now he's, you know, above the fray. We can't relate to somebody who calls down fire. Raises the dead. Causes the oil in the meal to, at the power of God to not uh, run out. I can't relate to him, see. But did you know this same man had a pity party one time? Now how many can relate to him? He wanted to die. But he really didn't want to. How many's ever had those thoughts? I don't mean suicidal now, but you're just down in the dumps having a pity party. Oh, Lord, I wish you'd take my life. How many's ever done that besides me? Now, come on now. See, now I can relate to this guy. And you didn't want to die any more than he did, because if he wanted to die, all he had to do was stick around. Jezebel would have accommodated him. Is that right? Is that right? But when she came after him, he took off a running. Is that right? And ran away. Yeah, how many can relate with this guy now? He's just as human as you or me. Now look at James 5, verse 16. Oh boy, we need to hurry. We'll get it all in. Dale told me last week, stop talking about the time. Sometimes I talk about the time. How many of you wish I'd stop talking about the time? Okay. Well, then I will. How many want to stay till 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Okay, no. Did you find James 5, 16? Amplified Bible, middle way through the verse. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes what? Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's what your prayer can do. Oh, but not my prayer, Pastor. Now, maybe Elijah's prayer, but not mine. Hey, look at verse 17. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have. Why did God put this verse in the Bible? To, to let us know that Elijah was just as human as you or me. And if his prayer can make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, so can yours and so can mine. It says that he had feelings, affections, and a constitution just like ours. He prayed earnestly for it not to rain. No rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, the heaven supplied rain and land produced its crops as usual. This whole verse is, these verses here are trying to point out to us that this man was just as human as you or me. Just as human as you or me. And uh, that's what God wants to get across to us. See, we look at Elijah, oh, we could never do that. But you need to realize he was just as human as you or me. And if his prayer can make power available, so can ours. How many of you have ever heard of Moses? You ever heard of Moses? Now, you don't think of him as a simple person, but uh, you need to really think about him. Do you know how he started his ministry, actually? Actually, he got the timing of God all goofed up. Has anybody ever got the timing of God goofed up? He got the timing of God all goofed up. He felt the call of being the deliverer, and he was going to go out and do it under his own power, and he was going to knock the Egyptians off one by one. So he started his ministry off by killing somebody. Now, that's a whole lot worse than any. I've never killed anybody. Has anybody in here ever killed anybody? That's how he started his ministry off. God, if God can use him, he can use you. And in Exodus 4, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible, when God called him, this was 40 years after he committed that murder. He was on the backside of the desert. You know, living on the backside of the desert can humble you down for 40 years. You know that? It can, it can change you. And it did him. God did a lot of things with him on the backside of the desert that I don't think we even have any, any realization of what he did. 
If you're going through a desert, I feel impressed of the Lord to say that if you're going through a desert time in your life right now, just know this. God's getting you ready for something. I said, God's getting you ready for something. Before God does anything significant with anybody, you know what I'm talking about significant? I mean, he really uses you to any great degree. There's always those desert years. How many of you know even Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness? Is that right? Did he call John the Baptist out of the wilderness? Is that right? And, and we know, of course, Moses was in the wilderness, backside of the desert. For 40 years, God was getting him ready. And then God calls him with that burning bush experience. Look at Exodus 4.10. And Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I'm not eloquent or a man of words. What did Moses just say? He said, I don't speak well. Did you know Moses didn't speak well? Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and have a heavy and awkward tongue. Now that, I mean, now right there, we're talking about prayer today. He was slow of speech and apparently some people say he was a stutterer. Think of that. Think of that. Now if God, this is a simple man here. And if God can use him, he could use you and me. And you know... Now, now, part in the Red Sea, you know, and all those great miracles that, that he did. See, I can't relate to him on that level, but not an eloquent man, a man of slow, slow of speech. See, that makes him more human to me. And this next thing I'm going to show you really makes him human to me, uh, human to me, he really makes him relevant to me. See his human side. Him and me had something really in common here. Look at Exodus four, verse two. You were just in verse 10. Look at two amplified by Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. And he did so. And it became a snake serpent, the symbol of a royal divine power and a crown of Pharaoh. But what did his rod turn into? And and Moses, what did Moses do? Uh, Was he afraid of snakes? Apparently he was. And so am I. I can relate to him on that. You don't ever have to worry about this becoming a snake handling church. Don't worry about that. Because I told you before, I'll say it again. You bring a snake in here, I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. I remember I was teaching junior high school one day. They had a, an assembly. And so we went to the assembly, the 7th, 8th grade, Valley Park. And we go to the assembly with these 7th and 8th grade students in there. And, and, and when we got in there, they had a bunch of boxes up on the stage, you know. And I didn't know what the assembly was for. And, I, and so I asked the principal, I said, what is this assembly for? He said, we have the St. Louis Zoo here today. They're going to do an exhibition. And I said, oh, okay. And so the guy comes up on the stage and we got, you know, a couple hundred kids in there, whatever it was, seventh, eighth graders. And uh, the guy goes up on the stage from the zoo and he takes his pole out. He opens a box, reaches in the box, pulls out this big snake. Well, a couple of the girls bolted for the door and they took off running and I went after them. And so, and so we're running down the hall and then we ran outside and they said, Mr. Shield, Mr. Shield, Mr. Shield, no matter what you do, we're not going back in that gym. You can try to catch us, but we're not going back in that gym. And I said, don't worry, ladies, I'm not running to catch you. I said, I'm running, I'm running. And I passed him up running on you. I can relate to this man. I was, uh, my wife and I were dating and I was kissing her goodnight at the, at the at, I think that spot's still smoking where I used to kiss you goodnight. Four, five, eight, or four, eight, five. C, May Valley. 
And one night I come out there, I'm going to kiss her goodnight. And she says, look. And there was a little garter snake, you know. And so, you know, I'm about to jump up in her arms, you know. I didn't. I thought about it. I didn't do it. And she went over the crazy woman. She went, no, I didn't mean that. But she went over there and picked that blasted little snake up. I remember it crawling in. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to marry this woman or not. No. Did you know Moses was afraid of snakes? Why am I going over this with you? He was just as human as you or me. Now look at Numbers 12, verse 3. It said he was very meek. That doesn't mean he was meek. Meek doesn't mean weak. It means he was gentle, kind, and humble. Above all the men on the earth. Can you see now why God used him? So here we have a man that's afraid of snakes. A man that wasn't eloquent of speech. But he was very meek. Gentle, kind, and humble. That's why God could use him. And there came a day. We're talking about simple prayer, simple people. Now, you see, I'm trying to point out the human side of Moses here. Just as just human as you or me. And uh, there was a day when his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam spoke badly of Moses. He had married a black lady. They didn't like it. How many of you know God doesn't look at skin color? He looks at heart color. Is that right? And so, but they didn't like it. And they were, and especially Miriam. She got, and God listened in. And God said, uh, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, come to the tent of meeting. We're going to have a talk. How many of you, that'd make you, that'd get your attention, make you a little nervous. And so they came to the tent of meeting and the, the Bible says a cloud. God came down in a cloud and said, Aaron, Miriam, step forth. Now, how many of you have ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Remember when he called a tin man up and a, huh? a tin man was clanking? You know, and then the scarecrow, remember him and the lion? The lion did what I did, would do. You know, he, he took off, run down the hall, jumped out the window or jumped through the glass. How many remember that? I said that one time. I think somebody got mad at me, quit coming to the church because, you see, I have referred to the Wizard of Oz. You know, I, I, I can't help people like that. I'm not going to invite them to my party. How about you? Besides, I got the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the West. I got both their broomsticks sitting in my closet. Not in my closet, in my office. I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf. How about you? Come on, guys. Are you out there today? I'm trying to be a little more real to you. Talk to you a little bit. Yeah, Gary and Karen. See, Gary sent Karen off to get the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the East. And Gary wanted the one of the West. They gave him to me for my birthday, you see. Well, they said to me one day, Pastor, you know, God's blessed you. You got just about everything. What do you want? And I said, bring me the broomstick of the wicked wish at ease. And they got it for me. Didn't you? They also got me Elvis's last concert, too. So, see, if I want something done like that that's out of the ordinary, I ask them to get it. And they take care of it for me. I wanted Kenneth Copeland singing in a concert years ago. Nobody could get it. I said, Gary, Karen, get that for me. And on my birthday, they gave it to me. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Thank you. So Moses and Aaron and Miriam, they're out there and, and God comes down in a cloud. He says, Aaron, Miriam, step forth. Now, how many of you, your legs would go to shaking? How many of you know that make you more nervous than if the Wizard of Oz called you out? Yeah. 
And they go forth. And God was angry. And long story short, Miriam was struck with leprosy. It's dangerous to talk bad about people. Did you know that? And Aaron got off the hook because he had the covering of the anointing on him. But later when that anointing lifted, he fell dead years later. But I don't have time to get into that right now. But there's Miriam. And Moses prayed one of the most simple prayers in the Bible. Look at Numbers 12, verse 13. Now, if you were praying to get somebody healed of leprosy or Ebola or whatever else. Now, you'd probably go into Elizabethan English and so would I. We'd probably get down on our knees and do everything we knew to do. But look at what Moses, this simple man did. He prayed a simple prayer. Numbers 12, 13. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, now what did he say? What did he say? He said, please heal her. Oh God, I pray. That's all he said. And in the process of time, she was healed. Now, is that a simple prayer? Prayed by a simple man. Now, I could go on and on with this, but for the sake of time, rather than looking this one up, how many of you know the thief on the cross? Remember the thief on the cross? Now, there was Jesus in the middle and there was a thief on either side. One of them didn't repent. The other one did. The one that repented got saved at, you know, he got saved in the midnight hour at the last minute, didn't he? And did you know he didn't pray a long, eloquent prayer, did he? Let me just say what he said. He said to Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, that's a pretty simple prayer, isn't it? And I think this guy, this thief, we can all relate to that thief because we all have things in our life, including me, that we wish we hadn't done. Is that right? How many, how many is with me on that? And this guy, this guy said, you know, he said to his, the other thief, he said, you know, because the other thief was talking bad about Jesus right there on the cross. And the, and the thief, the one that repented, said, you know, I mean, we're getting what we deserve. But this man isn't getting what we deserve. He hasn't done anything wrong. And then he prays this simple prayer. He says, he says to the Lord, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And just that quick, Jesus said, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. What's the point? A simple person prayed a simple prayer. And he got saved. A lot of times we think we have to pray these long, drawn-out prayers to get saved. How many of you know you don't have to pray a long, drawn-out prayer to get saved? Here, here, go with me real quick. Luke 18.10. Luke 18.10. Luke 18.10. Come on. Luke 18.10. Two men went up to the temple. What did they go up there to do? To pray. One a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee. Now, this is a religious man. Very religious. Religious leader. He stood and prayed thus with himself. Did you know it's possible to pray with yourself and and God not even hear you? Is that right? You know, I've learned this. About the only thing that will keep God from hearing you is if you're entertaining sin in your life. The Bible says if I in the psalmist said, if I regard sin in my heart, you'll not hear me. See, so if, if there's something in your life and you know it's there and it shouldn't be there and you just won't repent of it, that will hinder your prayers. But if you goof up from time to time like I do, if you repent of it, just ask the Lord to forgive you, you know, admit it, quit it, forget it and go on and you just go right on. He'll forgive you and you just go right on. Is that right? But he goes up to they both go up to pray. The one's a, a, a religious man. He's praying with himself. He, look what he says. He's talking to himself. He thinks he's talking to God. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Just because you fast and give tithes, that doesn't mean God's going to listen to you. How many of you know you ought to be a tither? Is that right? 
You shouldn't be a tipper. You ought to be a tither. Is that right? But just because you give tithe doesn't mean God's going to listen to you. And, and, and so, look, God, God didn't hear this guy. We'll see that. But look at verse 13. The tax collector. Tax collector. Let's go boo. Come on. Tap. Boo. How many loves pay taxes? I don't. When I say tax collector, what do you do? There you go. Tax collector. Okay, you got it. All right. He's standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast, hit himself and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said this man went down justified rather than the other. Now, this, did this guy look to heaven? Didn't even look up, did he? He just hit his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And just that quick, he got saved, didn't he? Is that a simple, that simple man? Simple prayer. Did you ever think of, I was looking at this and studying for this, and it's been there all the time, and I've never really, I knew it was there, but I never thought about it. Do you remember that, that prostitute that came to Jesus? Harlot. And she broke that alabaster box of fragrant oil on him. Remember that? How many remember that? How many remember that? And do you know in that whole story, she didn't do any talking at all. We have no record that she said a thing. All she did was cried and wiped his feet with her hair. Don't have any record that she said a word. And yet he forgave her of her sins. See, she didn't show up with a mouthful of words. She showed up with a heart full of faith. Because he said, your faith has made you whole. Do you, ever, do you ever think about that guy that they let down through the roof? How many friends did he have? Four, Four friends. Let him down through the roof. And the guy is there before Jesus. And you know that whole story. I don't, I don't see any record where that man that was paralyzed ever said a word. Are those four friends ever said a word? We have no record that they said anything. We're talking about... I mean, how many of you like it when you pray and Jesus does all the talking? Huh? Is that a good deal when Jesus does all the talking? I have no record that the paralyzed man or his four friends ever said a word. But yet the guy got forgiven and healed. See, they didn't show up with a mouthful of words. They showed up with a heart full of faith. I'm trying to demystify prayer for you today. Because I think prayer... I've, guys, I've listened, I've watched this over the years, and there's always, and I've watched this over the many years, the people that come and are intimidated because there's a few people that, that can pray eloquently, and they're, you know, they, they go on in the Elizabethan English, and they'll moan, and they'll groan, and they'll, oh, and they'll go on and on. And most of the time, those people are no more getting through to heaven than that Pharisee. They're just a lot of hot air. Not all the time, but almost, I'd say, nine out of ten of them that I've seen over the years. God's not impressed with all that. He's just impressed with somebody, with simple person, just believing him, just talking to him like you talk to your, to your, to your spouse or your friend. Did you hear me? Let's close in Acts 12. Come on. Acts 12 and we'll close. Acts 12, verse 5. Peter was kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now, we talk about Peter. And the church prays for him. 
And we'll see here as we read on, he gets delivered. But there's a part of this that never gets talked about or doesn't get talked about hardly at all. And if you'll read up above there, guess what happened? James, the brother of John, was imprisoned by Herod, the same guy that took Peter captive. Herod takes James captive and kills him with the sword. In other words, his soldiers killed him. Peter is then taken because Herod's going to do the same thing to Peter. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I wonder why Peter got rescued from prison supernaturally and James didn't. Is it because perhaps the church didn't pray for James? You ought to think about that long and hard. I think one reason that this nation has gone so far away from God is the church hasn't been praying as they should. Billy Graham himself said that if the church, the national leaders in the church would get back to praying, that this nation could be turned. And I'm convinced that James lost his life because the church wasn't praying. Yeah, but God... Could have come in there and rescued James if he'd have wanted. What did I tell you before, right when we started? That God seems like he won't do anything in the earth except we give him the avenue to do so through prayer. prayer. I'm convinced God wanted to rescue James, but he was, he was, he was hindered because the church wasn't praying as they should. But Peter is then taken, and then in verse 5, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. For him, they prayed for Peter. Why didn't they pray for James? I, I, I have no record that they did, and James was put to death. Oh, guys, let's get back to praying. What do you say? And then you can read on here that, that verse 6, Herod was about to bring him out. That night, Peter was sleeping. Now, he's... He's doing better than me. I wouldn't have been sleeping and I'm in prison knowing I'm going to be killed. But he bound with two chairs between the soldier, two chains, rather chairs. I need to use a bigger font here. Two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him. See, you go to pray and put angels to work. And a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up. Saying, rise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie, little King James here, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, put on your garment, follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real. He thought he saw a vision. Verse 10, when they passed through the first and the second guard, guard post, they came to Iron Gate that leads to the city, which had opened to them of its own accord. That'd freak some people out. I said, wouldn't that freak some people out? The door opened of its own accord. I wonder if it had a squeaky hinge. Huh? Now, who was opening that? The angel. Is that right? Power of God. I don't know. Some opened it, but it was. <clears throat> and, and anyway, so the angel. Uh, so the, 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 did it open of its own accord? All right. And they went out, went down the street. Immediately, the angel departed from him. Peter had come to himself. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod, from the, uh, the, what was going to expect, expectation of Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together. What were they gathered together doing? 
What were they praying for? Now, come on. Now, what words did they use? I don't know, but it was probably, you know, something like, you know, you know, were they praying Elizabethan English? They didn't have Elizabethan English. She hadn't been born yet back then. So in Greek or whatever it was, he brought another, whatever language it was, and they were, Lord, you know, make us, Lord, release Peter. We're praying for Peter. Release him. Release him. Move supernaturally. Release him. Get him out of prison. Get him out of jail. Is that right? Something like that. And Peter knocked at the door. Their answer, their answer to their prayer, knocking on the door. Girl named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She didn't open the gate and ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. You're out of your mind. One translation said, you're crazy. Now, you know, a lot of messages have been taught on, you know, how we have to pray in faith. And we do need to pray in faith. But... I don't think these people read any of those books. They were just as human. Say they were just as human as I am. Do you see the church is here making prayer for Peter and then their answer shows up and they can't believe that, they're, that, 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 that he's standing there. They're telling the girl, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. I can relate to that, can't you? Have you ever had, had a prayer answered? You just couldn't believe it. <laughs> See, guys, we've, we've made prayer so mysterious and so difficult and so hard that almost nobody can do it. And yet we all ought to just be ourselves and just be real and just talk to God like we would our friend. That's all he wants. She kept insisting that it was so. They said it's his angel. They just couldn't accept that their prayer was answered. Now, Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door, they saw him. They were what? They were surprised. One version says their surprise knew no bounds. One version says one version says they went wild. They just couldn't believe their prayer, their prayer faith had been answered. Do you get anything out of this today? Can you relate to these people? Realize, say simple people, simple prayers.